views expressed are our own and do not represent the opinions of any employers, organisations or clients for whom we work. Any recommendations or advice given in this podcast may or may not be right for you depending on your circumstances, so please bear this in mind before taking any action. Charting Tracks is brought to you by Chris O'Gorman, Amir Yacoub and Ben Hennessy-Garside. Chris is a digital marketing strategist and digital manager. He's worked previously for Sony Music and was the head of digital at Capital Records UK. He currently runs a digital marketing agency and develops music artists, working on brand development and marketing strategy. Amir is a record producer, Grammy Award winning engineer, a co-owner of Bison Productions Recording Studios in East London and the director of Garnish Music Production School in London. Ben, who is me, I is Ben, is a singing coach, multi-instrumentalist, composer and producer. In the past, I've worked in music instrument retail as a record label scout, a live sound engineer, and I'm currently a lecturer at Leeds Conservatoire, teaching voice to popular music students, alongside being a dad and husband. This is the fourth episode of Charting Tracks, and is the third of three in which we discuss ways to support people in their progression as music practitioners. Okay, so... Ben and Chris, we have spoken, obviously, about growth. There are going to be times when your growth is um, stunted, uh, halted. What we commonly know as writer's block um, mm. in the world of creativity, particularly. Um, but, you know, it can also be extended to things like burnouts and um, stuff like that. And, and largely, we could say that this falls under the umbrella of how to sustain creativity mm. um, in the face of obstacles. I'm going to open up and ask you first about some of your techniques and then I'll follow up with um, anything, well, from a personal perspective, I guess, but also um, just to follow up on your point as well. So let's start with, let's start with Ben. Ben, what do you think about sustaining creativity? So um, this is great because it actually harks back to stuff, some of the stuff we've already talked about. Often we get blocks when we're being too critical of ourselves. Hmm. And we, we've moved into this kind of judgmental, there are good things and bad things. And um, and often it's it's linked to this question of motivation. If you can make something playful hmm. rather than judgmental, you're going in in the in the right track. What do we mean by that? Well, throw in a little bit of randomness. So maybe you're writing a song, and you can't you just can't come up with a with an idea. Grab a book off a shelf, flick through it, find a page, point randomly. You know, like I say, make it playful, and that's the word that you're going to write the song about. Mm-hmm. Um. So so there's that. That that's one thing. Is kind of. Un unlock and loosen the whole thing. Mm. The other reason, though, sometimes people can get caught up is because they haven't defined their boundaries well enough. So this is a kind of like, there's a, something quite paradoxical about this. It's like you've got your play space, but you need to be able to play within a space, mm. right? So sometimes putting a kind of a, um, a conceptual box around it will help as well, right? Making the decision, say, right, well, I'm, I'm going to write a three-minute pop song. Mm. Okay, great. Then you can go and listen to some three-minute pop songs and say, look at the forms. That's going to be the form. That's going to be the structure, yeah? So I know there's going to be an intro, a verse, a chorus, a verse, a chorus, uh, some kind of bridge section, two choruses, an outro, right? That's your kind of standard pop form, mm. right? Mm. Oh, with some pre-choruses in as yeah. well. 
yeah. dotted about the place. I love a pre-chorus, personally. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, I just don't hit me if the chorus too quickly. Just, <laughs> I don't want to build up to it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely have their place. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so, so, that, so then when you know your form, it's like, okay, well, now I know what I need to populate here. Curiosity is the other one. So as, as well as, as, which is also linked in with this playful thing. It's like you're just trying to understand the world. Curiosity you can create by asking, asking open-ended questions of yourself, right? So you get your form. You've done your research. You've got your form. And then you go, oh, well, like, what do I? Great. So I know the structure, but what do I do now? Well, you can start asking some questions. You can say, well, who's the protagonist in the song? Mm. Just come up with an answer for that, mm. right? If you're not too harsh on yourself... Just whatever's what's the first thing that comes to mind? Who's the first person you see? Turn the TV on. Who's the first person? Right, mm. that's the weird, that there. Yeah, it's like so. If no one's coming to mind, then you let let the universe decide for you. Okay, so yeah. so that's the question. Who who who's the protagonist? Oh, it's that person. Well, okay, who are they talking to? There's a whole another little opening. Well, they could be talking to you know. They could be talking to I don't know the the lover who they who they now despise because they've. Mm gone off and slept with their best friend you know <laughs> it could be a dinosaur with a jellyfish for a head i don't know like whatever like pick somebody um so so you've got a protagonist and you know who they're talking to and then and then well what are they saying again pick something yeah why are they saying it so asking these open-ended questions whatever they might be will help build mm. some curiosity and and often when we're in like an open and curious place, then the creativity kind of yeah. comes in. Mm. Um, it's it's when when there's pressure that we're either applying to ourselves or that's coming to us from outside. We need to achieve a certain thing, yeah. and and we're in the kind of editing phase, right? In, in most creative acts, there's like there's like create initial creativity, and then there's editing and narrowing. There's opening and narrowing, and opening and narrowing, or you know, opening and closing is another another way of talking about it. Same kind of thing. Um, if you've got too much closing, too much narrowing, too much squashing, too much tightness, you're gonna be you, you're gonna be blocked. Mm. Too much too much openness. There's gonna be too many options. It's gonna be analysis paralysis. And you never and get anywhere. So it's yeah. There's a sweet spot, isn't there? It's finding the right balance, and maybe you need to switch from one to the other and back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Or, or, may, or maybe you can find a yeah. place where it's just the right, and and simultaneously yeah. you can hold both. Yeah. So, because having a framework can be helpful, but then it can also be it can hamstring you, and then you're kind of like, I have to, it can prevent you, you know, it can it can prevent you having another idea or thinking about something a different way because you're just focusing on that. I, th I think for me, when it's like coming up with like campaign initiatives or you know some big creative uh, digital campaign launch for you know for an album or for a single or something, um, a lot of the times you kind of go. You have that thing when you first start. You're like, it's very similar to I imagine to kind of writing a song or to composing or to create. You know, you it's that starting point. That's like ah, that blank page. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's uh, and I think then also some of the things that probably come into things like um, you know expectations. That's thing like oh, this campaign we did for this like really went down well. So let's try and do something like that again and already you're sort of hamstringing yourself because then you're like oh i have to do something like that on that platform and then so actually the thing that tends to break that is actually 
it's like you say is switching up the routine you know it's whether that's like physically standing up from your desk and going away and actually getting it and that's kind of one of the things that we kind of did that i've always done consistently with like teams i've worked with is get out stand away from your desk that stand away from that computer from that blank screen you know and get in a room with a load of post-it notes and just whack the most crazy oh, the other thing is actually the editing of yourself as you're going along ah oh, that idea is not going to work ah the artist will never go for that ah management are going to hate that ah before you've even allowed the idea to form you you've already started editing yourself and go, coming up with all the reasons why that won't work and actually when i've sat down for like the team whether it's like you know me and like the other digital team um so the artist management team as well or the pr person as well it's actually saying look whatever happens in this room these ideas that are coming up now they're just going to go and post it and go around the wall they may never go anywhere and actually we'll probably have to come up with 50 ridiculous ideas and get one or two ones that are actually really solid and really good and that's just the process that we have to go through and actually giving yourself the permission to do that and not have to think about the logistics not having to think about can we actually do that because a lot of the times when you there uh, are having to de- deliver the logistics you, before you've even allowed the idea to form, you've already said, no, that can't work because we don't mm. have to do this and this. So actually, I suppose giving uh, like giving yourself the permission to come up with the most ridiculous ideas, knowing that they're not, they may not see the light of day and they, they don't need to, but they're part of the process. I think that's, for me, the thing that sort of helps unlock those ideas and kind of helps get around that sort of creative block um that you might have yeah i I mean like obviously you know i think as part of your growth and as part of your development um you have to understand that I mean, these days are not going to be like very rare. These are going to be, they're going to be more often than yeah. you're going to want them to be. Right. So Part like, yeah, yeah, Part it kind of, of the... is, it, it kind of yeah. is. Yeah. So, you know, look, imagine someone goes to work and they go, I had a great day at work and they did that for all 300 and however yeah. many days there are in a year. Absolutely. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen, is it? Uh, so it's like, we're doing the same thing, but. You know, some of the stuff that you guys have been talking about and Ben talking um, a a lot about um, looking to other places, it reminds me of of something that I heard called um, the creativity switch. And this is probably Googleable and I'm probably going to mess it up. But but my experience of it is just imagine you are going to work and you're taking the same route to work every day and you're seeing the same things every day. So if you're in a car, you go left there, right there, you go down that road and you do a left and you go right and all of a sudden it's like you're at work and obviously the first time you do it is it's like, oh, look at that thing and blah, 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 blah. And then you've done it about 10 times and you're on autopilot. autopilot, You're kind of going that same way in in your uh, path and your journey to work. The creativity switch is going, I'm going to take a different turn today. It's literally one different turning and all of a sudden you are seeing something new. It's kind of like, again, going back to opening up new options via generator functions and looking at... Um, the mesh and you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. new nodes that are now around you you go I took a right there and oh my god <laughs> that coffee shop looks so good I wonder what their coffee's like um, yeah. I'm just gonna 
tomorrow what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the same turning. I'm going to jump out and, and get coffee from there, yeah. which sparks a new conversation with mm. someone which might give you, you know, further inspiration and so on and so forth. The creativity switch is not you physically doing that. Yeah. It's you doing that in terms of what you're doing. So I personally, I obviously compose a lot at the piano primarily, uh, or I will pull up a DAW and I will, you know, load up some drums. Instead, why don't I pick up an instrument that I might not be able to play very well? For instance, this guitar behind me, <laughs> I can't play guitar very well at all. Um, and I'm going to do something different because mm -hmm. I'm not going to be bound by the limitations of my hands falling in that same place yeah, naturally, to, yeah. naturally playing in, the, in yeah. the key of E flat minor because, you know, that's what I genuinely gravitate towards is the key that I know the best. No, it's, it's going to give me something new. It's going to give me something different. Going back to what Ben was saying about opening a book and just pointing there, there's a book that I have in the studio called you are a circle. I got it for Christmas from one of my good mates and who I work with creatively as well. And it's a very similar concept to um, Oblique Strategies by Brian Eno. So Brian Eno, um, yeah. you know him, um, has a a set of cards, essentially, which were like, if you were working with an artist and there was writer's block, you'd be like, Take one of these cards and this card might say something like, you know, use the studio as an instrument and this would spark creativity. It would be something new, something a bit random, something like, oh, I didn't expect this to happen, you know. And I think, you know, kind of coming back to what Ben said as well, one of the big things is for me personally, playfulness is just like that's everything. Um, yeah, obviously I'm immensely blessed to be able to play a lot of the time um yeah. in my day-to-day -day roles but you know there are there are frameworks there are f forms that limitations to that i have to impose on on that as well yeah. so i can't i can't just be like oh you know what i'm going to do i'm just going to sit here for five days and make some beats that's not really going to work <laughs> Yeah, if I had all the time and the money in the world, that might work. But also, it would be boring by day three because I'd be like, oh, you know what? I've been making beats for three days and not once have I thought about any lyrical stuff or any melodic stuff or whatever. I've just been beats, 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 right? Yeah. So limitations and frameworks, I like to personally work in four-hour chunks, right? So if I'm doing a thing, I think the best... I can always get the best results well, most of the time working within four hour chunks. Mm. After that point, I'm drifting. Yeah. Yeah. And trust me, yeah. uh, I mean, four hours mm -hmm. is like pushing it for me. Yeah. Sometimes it's like four minutes and I'll be drifting. So I think you're right. The limitations and also one major thing, editing is mm. a process that we are going to have to do, but it should come later. Later, yeah, yeah. A famous example of this in my eyes is um, uh, yesterday was was written by Paul McCartney, obviously. Um, and, you know, he just put it down um, because he liked the chords and the melody and everything. But the uh, the song was called Scrambled Eggs. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. That, that is, it's so funny, that, isn't it? Yesterday <laughs> was Scrambled Eggs. Exactly. <laughs> Paul, come on. Paul Mc I just love that. So he's just like you know uh, oh it's all good if 
if he had edited that too early yeah. uh, and gone, oh my God, what kind of a title is Scrambled Legs? I need the lyrics before I can <laughs> yeah, record. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It would have been stifled. Yeah. If he did that, we wouldn't have Yesterday, which yeah, is, yeah. is one of my favorite Beatles yeah. songs, right? Um, but we wouldn't have it. like. And if he'd gone, I'm editing this really early, I've been very critical of myself. I have to have the whole song in place, mm -hmm. you know, like you say. Uh, I have to have the whole song in place before I can even validate it as being yeah. worthy song, of yeah. recording or whatever. Yeah. Mate, you're blocking yeah. your own blessings, yeah. right? Um Editing too early is um, yeah. is one one of those things that is just like shooting yourself in your yeah. foot. Um, and I just think when it comes to creativity, there's so much pressure that we put on ourselves. One of the key concepts that I learned to just get rid of, and uh, I can't just remember the name of the book, but I will let you know is, is I think it's called The Creativity Habit or something it's by twyla tharp and she was a dancer right and she was like i used to just sit around and wait for inspiration to just strike and <laughs> and and you know i was just like uh five o'clock it must be time for be time for me to be inspired because i'm sitting here and doing this and blah 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 blah. she's like of course seven o'clock came and there was no inspiration <laughs> <laughs> so what she did <laughs> any minute now come in what she did was she went I'm going to go to work from, I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. She's obviously a dancer. I'm going to go to the gym in the morning and straight after I'm going to work. And I'm just going to mm. work. I'm just going to do mm. something, right? And, you know, I might not be here inspired or particularly creative, but it doesn't matter. I'm there. I'm showing up. I'm turning up. I'm doing it and I'm not waiting for inspiration to hit me like lightning. I'm going yeah. to inspiration. I'm going to creativity and she might just be, you know, just practicing along to one of her old choreo, choreo songs or whatever, but, but she's doing something. And generally when you remove all of these kind of external things mm -hmm. about creativity being this divine intervention yeah. that has to happen only when other people allow, you'll find that uh, actually yeah. you're more creative than ever because that's yeah because yeah. you're not treating it like it's something that is special. You're treating it like something that is regular, and in the, the regularity, you get special things happen. Yeah, that's funny because there was a I know there's a Nelly Furtado um, interview where she's talking about that. She actually said that on her most recent album, she had the worst sort of block and just and had quite a bit of time away from the industry as well. And had had sort of quite severe block and didn't really know. How, she was like, I can't remember how to write a song anymore. I don't, <laughs> and basically just took, took a lot of time off and actually, and just said, went to go and work in her friend's record shop and then went to work in another friend's um, charity shop and just literally was just like, I'm just going to do something else that isn't remotely involved. It's not, you know, and just like the process of, you know, bringing up stuff on the till and tagging stuff and, you know, just the, the, her brain, she, she then started finding that like the, I think she said something about the cash register or something. It was like the percussive nature of the <laughs> the cash register. Then yeah, making go. Mm. <laughs> and then she ended up writing yeah. something from from that. And it's just because the, a different part of the brain's working. I mean, yeah, exactly. Working, yeah, 
It reminds me of a writer that I worked with maybe like three, four, five years ago now. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, I heard the birds singing outside mm. my window. So I just recorded them. And then he brought that bird song into the, the DAW. I think he was using Logic. Mm. Doesn't matter what he was using, but there are other DAWs <laughs> available. <laughs> um, um, he put autotune on it and he mm. started to uh, use this bird song that was autotuned and he was like, oh, I really like that melody. I like that melody. I like that melody. And he was writing right, songs. Yeah, yeah. And it's just crazy what actually when you think about inspiration where you can find it and how around us it is um just about unlocking those other options isn't it rather yeah. than being like i'm going to my guitar now and play this yeah. chord and play that chord and yeah you know and actually like you were saying with this i think it was the creativity switch yeah that saying. actually i've realized i didn't know it was called that but it, i we have done that in practice and i remember actually like with uh, an artist that we're working on which is like, what could be the worst idea that we can come up with for this band? Like the absolute worst thing. What would their fans hate the most? What would the yeah. band hate the most? What would be the most inappropriate, not remotely right things that we could come up with? And actually by going uh, through that process, we actually came up with some ideas. Well, actually, if we do it in that way, that could be really good. Yeah. So I have actually done that and not even realized I was doing yeah you weren't even driving to work you would just t turn the car around and I'm going up the M1 and coming yeah. back and, and then I'll be at work <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a pretty cool yeah. way of thinking about things though there's um there's a few things that I just want to want to throw in here um I remember I heard uh, Ryan Adams talking about this um and he says one 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 key thing is is like showing up yeah um and then the other thing that's that's coming up for me is this um certainly um in the western world anyway in the medieval era um music um wasn't considered to be kind of the property of the individual creator hmm. it was seen to be and i think this i think this is the same in the islamic world as well it's, it was seen to be god speaking through yeah the the individual right and I mean, you you might believe in God or not, you know, whatever. But this trying to kind of just just for psychological, just to give yourself a little bit of weight uh, relief, or uh, you know, uh, just to take the load off a bit. Seeing kind of the muse mm. as a kind of entity outside of yourself that either wants to engage or not. Right. It's yeah. maybe it's a bit whimsical, but framing it in that way can help because. What that can mean is all you need to do is turn up, right? Mm, which links yeah. back to what um, um, what Ryan Adams was saying, which is just turn up, right? Mm -hmm. It's like set the room out, yeah. lay it out, and so you know, get your your instruments around you, make yourself comfortable. You know, maybe even that act, the first act, is physically setting up the space, mm. yeah, because you're getting out of you kind of like yeah. Yeah. you're in a, a different. So set the space up, make it really easy for this muse god whatever you want to call it to come in and come through you and then sit there yeah right um he had a, like a, a a bunch of books that he kept there for doing the thing that i was talking yeah. about which was you know getting books and just flipping through and then pointing to pointing to the place um but having like little knickknacks around little things to play with you know
funny the showing up thing because diane warren the songwriter diane warren does that as well and she's like says she has a place of work she has like i guess it's like a writing studio now she's mm. like i go and she goes every day she's like every day i'm gonna go, even if it's only for like an hour mm. i might not stay the whole day she might have days when she's like oh no no she, I, I generally i think what she does is like the weekdays she does do nine to five she's like i'm going there nine to five and then she might go for an hour at the weekend or something or but she's like every single day i'm going there i'm showing up and I'll probably write a load of garbage that day. <laughs> but yeah. every single day, I'm going to have a, at least one song a day. Yeah. So by the end of the year, I'm going to have 365 new songs. There you go. Now, most of them are going to be garbage. But out of this 365, some of them are going to be pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. The fact of showing up. That's, Absolutely. Mm, yeah, a, Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. Than, and the thing, thing is, that she's a jobbing songwriter, so that's kind of how she works. Others, it's like... Um, I need to go on a research trip or something like that. And I'm going to go and, you know, take in loads. Of, I'm going to go to, I don't know, Barcelona or somewhere and look at all the Gaudi buildings or something. And that's their mm -hmm. way of, you know, again, it's it's that. But that kind of is showing up. That is, it's not necessarily there. I'm there with my pen and paper and I'm ready to write. But it's, it's sort of this idea of going through... Um, you know, like a field for, that needs to be like needs to have a fallow period, basically. But then mm -hmm. it's it's replenishing. It doesn't look like it's, but it's replenishing. And when you're going and doing that, you're replenishing the well, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. To then be able to. Yeah, definitely. Right about um, and and you know when you it's um when you mention travel particularly um the many of the um big clients that I've worked with who are from America, obviously you're like, well, what are you doing here, bruv? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is like, the weather's worse than in LA. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but also, what what's the hype? They're just like, you know, we really mm. love London. It's such a nice vibe and yeah. all of this kind of stuff. And it's just, they're flipping a switch. They're Yeah, even that though, the weather being switch. different is like, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, that's and just set a different mood. I mean, it's, is, it's, yeah. it's crap weather. Most of the time, nine months of the year in London, you're getting rain. Yeah. yeah? I used to be baffled when they came here. I was like, why would you want to soak yourself? Mm. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, it's just like, that's that's a creativity switch for them. Yeah, exactly. Switching it up. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is when you talk as well about um, particularly um, someone like Diane Warren, let's take that, that example, um, Diane Warren turning up and, and doing 365 songs, she knows that she's going to fail. She yeah, knows. She's not, and she doesn't care. She's not judging herself for that. Yep. She's not going every single one of these songs has to be the biggest hit not every single one of these has to be unbreak my heart <laughs> yeah exactly well this yeah. and this is the thing perfect perfect being the enemy of the good, of, yeah. of the good. The enemy um, good yeah. and just not allowing yourself to go oh yeah 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 well if i write a song and it's crap it's okay i'm, I'm gonna let myself off because i've got 364 more songs to come imagine yeah. on the first of january she comes back with a big hangover from a new year's eve party <laughs> and she's like oh my god you know uh, you know, I just sort of wrote this crap song. Um, when she writes yeah. a crap song, she's not going well. Crap by her standards, she's it's not probably going. Probably still great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she's not going. Oh, oh my god, I'm the shittest songwriter in the world, yeah. or anything or like I that. I don't have it anymore. I lost yeah. it. Yeah, I'm gonna give up. It. I'm gonna yeah. give up tomorrow. She goes. I've got 364 songs yeah. left to write this year. Yeah. Let's and give as it another she's go. leaving the the studio that day, she switches off the lights and she's like, Ah, I didn't have it today. Yeah. Tomorrow I and will. Well, maybe not. Maybe the day after, but exactly. it's going to come back. 
Yeah, you win some, you lose some, yeah. and and I suppose perfect being the enemy of of good or great or or whatever. Mm. Uh, failure being inevitable are two things that will be part of your growth. Yeah, that's what I feel. Like growth doesn't really happen inside of your comfort zone. Yeah, it happens outside yeah. of it, right? So, also, success doesn't really mean anything if you if you haven't had the, fa- the sort of the failures along the way, you know. Yeah, because you've learned nothing. <laughs> and some days, you know, you have a campaign like from my perspective. Some days you do a campaign that kind of you have a number one. You have those weeks when you got the number one single in the you know the number one album. You got you know you just won a Brit Award or a Grammy or you whatever. Um, and then there's days when you're like, okay, the biggest accomplishment I'm going to have today is managing to stir my tea with an actual teaspoon instead of a <laughs> knife or fork. And that's, and that's fine. <laughs> Anyone who worked at Sony will know that. <laughs> Never a damn teaspoon. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What do you think, Ben? A- any um, any wisdom to impart on these topics? This thing about letting yourself off the hook, I think, is mm. is is really really important. Mm. Um, just a little kind of um, educational anecdote that's that's coming to mind. That's kind of linked. Where they've done studies into students um, and whether they're going to engage with feedback or not. One of the issues one of the things that causes problems is when they're given like a grade so there's something about the act of judgment and putting them putting them inside um, a a box that says you have got an a or a b or a c or a um you know whatever or something in the act of providing them with that numerical judgment actually undermines their ability to act on the feedback, like the written feedback, the more kind of qualitative kind of try doing this thing next time, try doing that thing next time. Uh, why don't you improve or work hard on this area to improve your grade for the next time? If they know what their grade is, that stuff goes. So why is that linked? Well, it's this it's this question of judgment. If if you're being like the teacher and you're giving yourself a, like a box, like a, oh that was a that was a grade B performance rather than keeping that openness of this could this could have been done better that could have been done better that could have been done better mm. there's, there's there's something about pointing to uh action rather than labeling with um a good or a bad yeah definitely it kind of it links with lots of what we've talked about today, but it, but it's also like another little point in that in that direction about give yourself some space. Yeah, give yourself some space. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would say I think that's all I've got to say. Um, you know. Yeah, really. I would say also the more you make, the less you care as well. So like, let's say, um, let's say you are doing a song and it's being submitted for an assignment or whatever, um, and you you you're um you know that you've made great songs in the past and maybe you did get a bad grade this time it's kind of like being an artist and releasing really good songs before and then you release a song which maybe it wasn't your best song right and the feedback on social media is not the best right but 
you don't actually care because you know you've made great songs in the past mm. and you know you're going to make great songs again in the future. It's just that this is a little bump in the road, you know? Um, what Ben says is absolutely correct about giving yourself that space, right? Yeah. You've got to give yourself the room to breathe. You've got to give yourself the room to experiment, to maybe fail as well, yeah. right? You've got to have that kind of flexibility um, with all of it. I just, I just wanted to raise because there's this, there's this thing that gets said. There's this kind of sense often with with people is like, you know, like you, you're only as you're only as good as your last song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you're only as good as your last gig. Yeah. Or, and I, I wondered what because that seems to be kind of the th there's this theme of uh, of how tough everything is, and I just wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on like how how true is that. If it is true, does it even matter? I, I know from like a creative place, that stuff is worthless. Mm. You know, like if if you've got an artist and they're creative and their last single bombed and you walk into the room and you say, you're only as good as that last single, mm. <laughs> you know, hand, hand on, hand on hip, like you're doing nothing for their career in fact all you all you you're, what you're doing is you you're just hammering more and more nails into the coffin for them yeah i agree it's it's not going to help them become more creative by by a, applying more pressure yeah i agree yeah so uh, what what like what do we do about that because there's so many people hanging around the music industry happy to just tear a tear a strip like that's that's a a problem well, a, lot of it, a lot of it in in the music industry as well is like people think that failure uh they treat it almost like it's uh it's contagious oh so it's yeah like, oh we're so of that project because it's i'm gonna yeah. catch it I'm gonna good catch point failure good point um, good point and it's and it's also kind of a bit of a there is a very something that really is rife in the music industry is pointing blame oh it has to be oh it's because that didn't work it's good you know what i would have got it on the radio but that didn't work and that part of it or we didn't have it you know it's almost like because it's so sort of you know you can put all the right elements in place for something to be successful and it's still the, the it just doesn't connect the magic just isn't there and then there's times you put everything in place and then it does connect and it's but i think that because it's such an there's that unknown element um, people are always trying to inoculate themselves against the inevitable failure of what they see the project as. Mm. Um, there is a bit of a oh, let's just blame another part of the of the pro of the promotional team and just be like oh, well, my part went well, so it's fine, you know. And it's like yeah, I get the temptation to do that, but it's like it doesn't it doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't, you know. And it's, it's, you're right. It, it seems to be everywhere, right? It's like you, you've got artists blaming their manager yeah. and blaming the producer and blaming the label. And then you've got labels blaming, blaming yeah, market, the marketing. A&R will blame the marketing team. Yeah. Marketing will blame the song. They'll be like, well, the song wasn't good enough. <laughs> and be like, oh, the, the campaign wasn't good enough. The artist will be like, oh, it's the label. The label will be like, oh, it's management. They didn't have, let us have enough access to the artist to do enough promo stuff. Oh, the artist wanted to do this new sound. It's like <laughs> everyone's... Because um, the thing is, it's like when you have that, you're sort of... Every single artist, when you have your moment, of, even the ones that really, really make it, mm. 
And again, making it really means very different things to lots mm, of different people. Yeah, of course. But, uh, but if you take it to mean, you know, chart success, sales and streaming figure success, mm. awards, and then just exposure, just kind of, I think people have a perception of success, meaning every time I'm, I turn on my TV, I seem to see this artist, I seem to see an advert for their album. They mm. seem to all win all the awards. And every time I open a uh, newspaper or a magazine, they're there constantly on, on, online whenever i'm on my social media channels i see an ad for their album that's sort of the point where people like that is mainstream like crossover success and taking something like ed sheeran as as an example of that mm. mm-hmm. um it's it's sort of like at that point where it's like okay that's that success now but even that artist is going to you have your moment of real popularity maybe it lasts for two or three albums with every single artist there is then it becomes at a certain point about managing decline mm. because you can't really maintain that intense level forever it starts becoming like you know something because there's always something new coming through mm. so if you've really done a good job what you have is you've built up this fan base and that fan base will then stay with you so it's no longer about being at you know the, the 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 current thing but it's like you you know in terms of like the you know being the sort of the the artist of the moment the hot thing that moment that is going to start tailing off and then it becomes about managing decline and it's about when i say managing decline that then sort of sounds like a really negative thing but actually you're just moving into a different phase of your career and then the phase of your, your career that you're moving into is I've got this really solid fan base that will really sustain me and you, you can tour the world for the rest of your career you can continue putting out albums and based off that fan base alone you probably won't even have to do very much marketing spend at all promotional activity at all and um you'll have like a a top 10 album like every time you release one because you've done the work early on to build that you know to build that fan base up with every artist there's going to be the point where it becomes about you're on that sort of what would be perceived as downward tra- trajectory or managing to client. I don't see it as downward trajectory. I, I say it, it's referred to as managing decline from an industry suspect, suspect, uh, perspective because album sales will be dropping because you just won't be getting that high num that insane high number of, of albums that you as you are at the peak of your career. But that doesn't mean that you're not selling. What will happen is it will just level out and they'll be consistently doing the same album sales. Uh, or same streaming figures each time same tour you know be selling out the same kind of tour venues each time because it will level off and then you have your problem is our artists don't you know the the fame monster kicks in and then you like i i want to be that mm. you know somebody like lady gaga's been on the uh, at the you know she's had the the sort of sales dip and she's had the sort of maybe not quite the popularity dip but certainly had the sales dip and you know it's like i'm gonna go off and make a jazz album with for tony bennett what mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, it's true at which point the label's like okay very true go off and do that <laughs> and then and now she's like riding high again so it's um it's a difficult one because you could literally just you know say oh that's it write them off that's the downward slope that's the decline but does that mean that they're whatever everything they did before doesn't have value does that mean that what they're going to do in the future doesn't have value does it mean that mm. that doesn't have value you know I mean, that's Bob it. Dylan deciding to be electric on an album instead of what he's known for being acoustic is you know impacted sales to a certain extent it doesn't mean that that wasn't an important piece of 
work and also there's a bit of a rewriting of history it's kind of it's funny because i know like uh for him what she was saying in her in her most recent book the first album i was like oh no one's gonna buy this it's a bit it's a bit mm, it's, it's a bit too convoluted it's a bit too too many pianos on it let's take the pianos off and put yeah. guitars on it you know that was kind of the the sort of approach at the time and you know eventually i think um who was it? Uh, Doug Morris, I think it was, of, of Warner Group at the time, was like, no, no, okay, let's just break her in Europe first. A bit more open-minded, you could kind of, you know, in the UK, you can kind of do Jules Holland and you'll be kind of everywhere almost, mm. you, know, you know, there's not so much different fractured radio stations that you're working. Um, and, they, you know, they kind of had Kate Bush, so we can kind of make it work that way. And, and then it was seasoned with a bit of... Um, credibility from the uk and from europe and then actually ended up selling really well in america mm. but the first album they thought this is you know they were kind of like ah we don't think it's going to work and then it actually did well and they're like make that again make that album again and then like she'll go and put in the second album like no can you just make the first one again? Like, well you didn't want me to make the first one yeah, yeah. <laughs> that way but mm. then it's a hit and then they're like could just do that again do the exact same thing again and then they'll try something different and be like no do that again now yeah <laughs> so there's a it's it's so so yeah so the question would be then like what what do we i mean is your answer like you like you i think you alluded to earlier which is like get the gold right like no yeah, what does success like, looks like what does, what it does mean? success look like for you yeah and and include this de- decline hmm. in inverted commas decline period um in in the plan or up front if you're so, a serious artist and you're, you're serious about having longevity you have to be you have to know and you have to account for the fact that there will be a period of your career where you are on the downward trajectory or, or what's perceived to be a downward trajectory um and there's a sort of there's like a pre sort of you know there's the pre breaking the artist phase then you break and then you're everywhere and then there's post breaking and that's when you settle into a, a maybe a slightly more stable pattern you don't have the quite the heat that you had at that moment but actually you are very much a, and you might have moments of that's when you might have like a, a you, the song might be used in a soundtrack for the Bond film. Then you have a spike there or you have a spike, you know? So um, if you think you're going to be at the top of that heat scale, your entire career, you're setting yourself up for a, a big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> to you know? say the least. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Because it's riding a wave. And normally it's kind of good. There's going to be peaks and troughs in that career. And, it, but it's about defining what success looks like. Because if you're an artist, it's like, well, actually, people don't even know my name mainstream, but I sell out arenas. Mm. And there are loads of artists that can boast that. They're not household names. You're not going to see, see them necessarily on the official chart, but they'll sell out, maybe not arenas, but they'll be selling out Hammersmith Apollo's start, size venues consistently. Yeah, 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 yeah of course, yeah. So to so some people, that's success. To other people, it's like, no, no, no. If I'm not number one on the album charts and the single charts, if I'm not if I'm not the most streamed artist on Spotify, the most watched artist on YouTube, that then I'm not successful. And that, you know what? Fine, decide that if you want to decide that. <laughs> but um, yeah. So know so what set it, the right goals. Know what it is. Yeah. That success yeah. Means yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be yeah. honest about it. Yeah. Because if you are like, no, I want to be the absolute very top, and I want to be the hottest artist of the moment and i want to be riding high on all those streaming charts and everything then be honest about it if that's really what you want then just be upfront about it and be honest about it and at least uh 
Yeah, no. and, and also be, be honest about the, the things you are going to have to do. To do to get there. To yeah. get there. And also know that you might do all of the things and still not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because yeah. Because just life. Yeah. Just because that's how it is. Yeah. Yeah. You, that needs to be included then in the whole thought process. And the strategy and the game plan. That you and the strategy and the yeah. game plan. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Definitely. Now more so than ever, in, you know, in music industry as well, when it's, you're not going to make your, your living, you're not going to make the core amount of your money from streaming or from the physical recorded music product is not where you're going to make your money. Mm. Where you're going to make a living is through touring, merch, brand deals, experiences. Mm. So lots of like artists now do they're like sort of immersive kind of songwriting workshops with their fans where they charge like well it's almost like a you know like a vip experience basically where it's a sort of high ticket item so you can go away i don't know say i'm just saying i don't think ed sheeran does this but i'm just using him as an example where you know you go and have a songwriting camp with with ed sheeran for a you know those are, he doesn't need to because he's so he probably isn't going to do that but there are it's about diversifying and finding ways to make a living and make a, um, you know, use your, your sort of music to have sort of ancillary revenue streams. Mm. Yeah. If, and again, I just, if, I just want to really like, we've, we've spent a long time on the industry, yeah. like the, the kind of traditional, I want, I want to make it mm. as a, as a artist uh, writing original material in the charts kind of, mm. that's what we spent a lot of time talking about. But there's a whole world of music making mm. that you can engage with that doesn't doesn't require that level of yeah most of it um, is yeah, most so of it is, is it, most right. of the so, recorded music in the world is is not done by and th that is a tiny percentage and it, right that, uh, and, you know and the charting not, artists the mainstream yeah, sure and they're and, not and, the ones that fuel the they're not the ones that fuel the actual music streaming ecosystem actually it's something like 70 or 80% is those kind of DIY right. artists and, and musicians and independent mm. musicians. And that, and, but I mean, that's even recorded, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's, there's the heaps of other careers that you, that you can, that you can get into that don't even don't revolve around um, yeah. recording at all. I mean, yeah. we're in the middle of COVID and um, over the past few days, there's been these, um, these marches by the, um, uh, by the live music industry so who knows how how things are going to look as far as that's concerned by the end of uh, by the end of all of this stuff but um presuming things eventually get back to something like normality you can make a decent living working as a, a working as part of a wedding band yeah and you can be Bruce happy as Larry making your music doing your thing yeah. and if that's okay with for you then like do that also, there's a lot of kind of, I think, like people like, oh, you know, doing that kind of sort of the, the cruise ship entertainers or the kind of um, function gig circuit or something like that. Those bands and those acts are actually much more profitable businesses on the whole than the vast majority of recorded artists. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, not absolutely. make massively for like three, four, sometimes even five years. Like, and the majority of them, a, a lot of them never make profit. In fact, and they spend out actually, and yep. that's it. Whereas you know, wedding bands, function function bands, and function artists and stuff uh, can be profitable straight away. 
yeah you know, got their equipment and stuff and then like great i can charge this much for a gig and then i'm profitable of course and remember that that this was outlined um in um the outliers by malcolm gladwell um yeah the beatles were a function band in hamburg right. for however yeah. long yeah. um they were there for right. and by actually doing something like that you're getting paid to play mm -hmm. uh, which is basically getting paid to practice yeah, which is exactly which is, is essentially yeah. you just perfecting your craft and becoming a better musician or artist or whatever yeah. and there's always that side of things as well you've got to be um in uh, i know so many artists who are independent doing releases and getting good attendance at their shows and all of this kind of stuff and um and on the side they might be doing gigs here and there a wedding bad thing or whatever it is and they're actually solid musicians as well they probably wouldn't be as solid if they were if they hadn't done it you know not yeah. exactly yeah. so there's definitely no shame in that yeah, and there's this, there's this thing as well about um, uh, like just just building a, a portfolio career with a variety of different yep. things. You might do some stuff that's not that's not even music related. Diversifying, you yeah. Do a bit half and half. There are loads of ways of of making it of making it work. Consider all that in the act of making your plan. Definitely. And setting your goals. Yeah. More so than ever now, with the sort of democratization of music. Yeah, right. That is more and more how, you know, you're going to have to be, not even going to have to be, you have the opportunity to be. It's yeah. actually an exciting thing. Mm. We've just spent ages talking about um, making a living in music and we've got an entire podcast. <laughs> so we'll talk more about that on the next one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, and we can go into some we can go into some kind of um, more more details then. We well, we've got more to come, haven't we? More to come. Um, I just want to before we wrap up, um, just ask any listeners or viewers, uh, whatever, um, if you can if you can subscribe, please do. If you can like, please like. If you can star or you know thumbs up or um as mentioned last time we're going to be on a few different platforms so um use whatever way you can to kind of um engage with us please if if you want to leave comments or ask questions and there's a, a facility to do so on the platform that you use please do show us love and we'll show you some back see you next time bye until next time ciao <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you can, please subscribe, tick, like, check, uh, leave us a comment. If you send us some love, we shall send you some back.